Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to The Decision Hour with JD and Adam. It is a beautiful day in our neighborhood. Clear skies, 192 degrees. It's friggin' hot. It's hot. It's a little warm, but it's always warm. It's Phoenix. You know what? But we can't. You don't You don't shovel heat. So, you know what? It's, <laughs> I'm perfectly okay with hot. You know, hydrate. If you move to Phoenix, just, just learn how to hydrate and get really good at it keeping your ac on 24 7 you'll be all right yeah uh how you doing buddy hey i'm doing pretty good man i'm doing pretty good we got I'm, I'm excited about today's show uh we got a great guest coming on board with us uh today by the name of uh dr hans mum uh he's an author uh he's a veteran and i got a lot of questions uh talking about cybersecurity and drone warfare oh wow uh, that we're going to be talking uh with him about so i'm pretty pretty excited this should be a good good show but before we jump into that i think you got some updates and some explaining to do you also uh, explaining to do. yeah what uh, what do you got going on lucy you know ladies and gentlemen let me tell you something if you have a passion for something and you have things that you want to achieve and things that you want to do you can always rely on school completely and totally messing that up um <laughs> <laughs> I know that may not be the message yeah. that you want your, your kids to hear at this time, but look, okay, so I was in Vegas, and um, you know, it's part of uh, one of the businesses that I run, and it was a full weekend. Uh, it was actually Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, I actually drove back late Sunday night, um, which I love driving at night. It's a great time to drive because there's no traffic. Anyway, but Saturday, which was it was kind of like the apex of our event. Not really, because the next day we still had our VIP day, um, which I was also a part of. But there's a huge party being thrown, and everybody's excited for it, and everybody's ready to go, and everybody's going except me. Why? Because I have a paper that I have to write, and I had to turn it in by midnight Saturday night. And I finished about 15 minutes before midnight, which was about 15 minutes before that party ended. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, Cinderella didn't make it to the ball this time. Um, so, yeah. Well, school. that's all right, though. You put your priorities first, and, and I commend you for that. I am completely pissed off at myself <laughs> for doing that. <laughs> because from what I heard, it was one heck of a party. I mean, there were people dancing on tables. There were people dancing on... Let me tell you how crazy this gets, okay? Because our organization has people from all age ranges, from 21 years old up to like 90 years old of entrepreneurs that still want to live and, and earn their right to live. And from what I was told, one of our team members, Gina Fifi, and her husband, who is a, uh, who is a Marine Corps veteran, uh, he served back in like Korea. They were dancing on the dance floor on his scooter. On his scooter. Just yeah, like pictures like this. Vespa, like one of those scooters. You know, Vespa you get a new scooter to get around. There, she was <laughs> dancing on his scooter on the dance floor. Um, it's great though to see people of that age that still have that passion and want to have fun together like that. I mean, that's just awesome. From what I was told, he was like riding her around there, driving around the uh, the dance floor, and she was just dancing on the scooter the whole time. So I thought that was pretty cool. 
Um, but uh, in all, oh my God, the information was invaluable. I know we paid a price to be there. We paid tickets to get there and we'll be in Orlando here in, in less than 90 days to do it again um, at Disney World. But I, it really, I've been, I've been in this organization for almost a year and a half now and I got my eyes opened up big time as far as, look, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to accomplish something, you need to not only dream big, but you need to dream bigger than you ever thought was possible. If you wanna work for yourself and you wanna make a difference out there for yourself, your family, and anybody that you can help out, you need to have a vision that, that can encompass the world, basically, is what I'm trying to say. So, for Christmas this year, our goal for the Veteran Network is to sponsor 12 hero families within the hero community that we're gonna help them have a great Christmas this year. And on top of that, we're gonna select an orphanage that we're gonna sponsor. And this is all through our company, nice. our business. And because it's no longer just about me. I don't have any kids, I'm not married, my family's doing pretty good, no. This is no longer about me. It's not about my immediate family. This is the opportunity to help other people, and I am taking full advantage of it. Well, good, as you should be. And you're going to be a part of it. I am a part of it, um, and I'm doing it a little bit differently because I have an unorthodox way of doing things. No. Uh, yeah, I know. It's it's true. It's true. Um but you know what? It, you know, one of the things I've, I've been working on a very long blog that I might end up turning into a three-part series. Oh, a three-thousand-word blog is a good blog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, that that you, would be a first. That's like a small book for me. Okay. Well, you keep if, if it's not three thousand yet, then keep it all under one. Okay. All right. You're fine. Okay. Um, and the reason is just overcoming stuff. And I and I think with uh, one thing I like about the Empower Network organization that we're both a part of is it allows you to. Uh, not only the tools and, and the things that they have available, mm -hmm. uh, not only for entrepreneurs, but for companies and stuff like that, people that want to get involved and, and utilize these tools. It's, it's a really turning point and it's a hot topic in the market right now. To quote Jay Giles, though, mm -hmm. the great Jay Giles, yeah. you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, probably not. Because you know, I've learned that, that no matter how you know, the internet and how things, how businesses run today, it will never be this slow again. Nope. Think about that for a second. Yeah, I know, this slow. As we're talking right now, streaming this, business will never be this slow again. Never. So, listen folks, with that being said, uh, I'm getting ready, let's let's give our guest a call. Yeah, let's do that, um, let's go get, you know, let's, get we're gonna, Dr. So, Hans' mum. Yes, we're gonna uh, contact, we're here, so just bear with us here for a second as we uh, give Hans a call. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are uh, here, and we have a very special guest uh, with us uh, today. I'm very excited about this, uh, JD. We have a very special guest, Dr. Hans Mum, with us today. Uh, Hans, are you with us? Absolutely, Adam. I'm right here. All right, good stuff. How are you today? I'm doing excellent. How about you? I'm doing great, doing great. First off, let me say thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today on the show. Uh, tell our listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and your background. All right, no worries. I'm uh, actually originally from Reno, Nevada, 
a little bit of a ways from D.C. where I'm at these days. My dad was in the Army, so we moved around a lot. And uh, I ended up joining the Army in uh, 94, uh, ended up uh, bouncing around. I was the officer in charge of the Iraqi regime playing cards in 2003, so I went over to Iraq. Ended up as a wounded warrior in 2009, decided that I would take advantage of the GI Bill and ended up going back to school, got my doctorate. I've got a doctorate in management with a concentration in Homeland Security and uh, ended up finding out that uh, my, my passion in life is leadership. Outstanding. Leadership. And that's a big, big thing, especially in the military. And, and, and I know just reading briefly about your, your bio and what you just stated there, that leadership is, is something that uh, is, is huge in the military. Hans, <clears throat> you've recently... Um, uh, written a book about leadership, but you also had it. It seemed like there was a twist to it, and uh, one of the hot topics I think that we've seen here in the last year and a half, two years, they're talking about drones. Uh, drones seem to be a, a great, great interest. Why do you think people are are afraid of drones? So first, I, I think that when I looked at the uh, uh, creating the book, applying complexity leadership theory to drone aerospace integration. Uh, I really looked at the leadership twist of it, and then I looked at the idea of, okay, so why are people afraid of drones? And, you know, what makes the, the big buzz right now uh, on on drones? And part of the issue is that, you know, people fear what they don't really understand, right? Drones are just like any other technology. It can be used for good or evil. Uh, a drone is basically a, a truck for sensors, right? Mm -hmm. So really what they look at is, is they fear the drone that flies over them because they can't control it. But the interesting part is, is they've had satellites over them for over 20 years. So I think it's one of those things where if they can't see it, then they're not as worried about it. But because drones are, are down low, they can see it, but they're afraid because they can't control them. Okay. Now, you talk about some pretty advanced uh, leadership theories. You know, can you dumb it down for, for us? How does, it, how does it all work together? How does it work? Absolutely. So complexity leadership theory basically uses nonlinear, non-authoritarian approaches to leadership, such as embracing the self-organized entity to solve problems. Uh, a good example of this leadership is uh, Patrick Meyer's group, UAV Aviators. This is a self-organized entity that uses drones for humanitarian purposes, such as earthquake victims in Nepal, things along that line. The organization is self-organized, meaning that there was no government entity uh, requirement. There wasn't anything along that line. Patrick simply saw a need and created a solution for it. Uh, the group actually has its own code of conduct, flying standards. Uh, the group actually lists all countries in the laws of flying drones. So it's not acting outside the law. It's actually complementing the existing structure without creating unnecessary bureaucracy or anything along that line. And the group is very, very successful. Uh, with the Nepal issue, I ended up getting a, a, an email from them, and they were looking for people who had assets, drones, in the area from the Nepal incident a couple of weeks ago, almost two hours before uh, it was even reported here in the U.S. So these type of entities work. And so the idea behind the, uh, the leadership model is, you know, we have to get out of this idea of linear and authoritarian, meaning, you know, Kids today, especially, and I say kids, keep in mind that I'm almost I'm pushing 50, 
uh, almost 50. So the kids today, they look at the leadership models that we have right now, and they're very authoritarian and very linear. And basically what they do is they say, you're going to do something because I told you to do it. You have to do it because I told you to do it. Well, let's think about that, Adam. Is that going to work with the kids today? Probably not. Is that going to work in the future? Yeah. Probably not. Not so much. Not so much. And that's why I really created this this new uh, leadership paradigm. Okay. Now, you call it complexity theory leadership. Do you really, I mean, do you think that's going to catch on? I do think it's going to catch on uh, because the complexity leadership theory offers uh, the idea of how to harmonize the speed of ABA, uh, of innovation and change with the human spirit's need for leadership. The idea of complexity leadership is, is being embraced as the new generation looks to be involved in the decisions that affect their lives. Creating a policy in a vacuum will only create discontent. You know, leaders need to embrace a new style and theories if they want to stay relevant. Okay. I, 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 and I agree with you there. Let me ask you this. A, a lot of the, the, the problems that people are, are seeing, and I'm, I've even seen a couple of incidents down here in the Phoenix area, because uh, that's where we're at right now. Why is it taking so long for the, uh, the FAA to create rules for, for drones? I mean, this, the drones have been around for, for a while now, but why is the FAA trying to step in and, and, and uh, uh, you know, put rules down? And, and do you see a, a long list of rules that, are, are good, that will be applied? So the, the real challenge is, is that the government's stuck in, in the idea of linear and authoritarian leadership. Uh, again, the idea that you're going to do something because I told you to do it, um, it's not going to work. So the challenge that they have is, is that drones have been around 20, 25 years or so, and you think to yourself, well, okay, they've had 25 years. Where, where's the policies? You know, where's this going? They, they have a lot of issues, but one of the issues that they're really struggling with is something called the Aviation's Rules Committee. It's a very lengthy process, and it takes about an average of five years in order to change one rule. And this, this is just unacceptable in today's uh, world, right? Technology moves so quickly that by the time the rules are changed and policies approved for the implementation to the citizen, new technology is already there. So we're already behind, uh, you know, behind the eight ball. And you mentioned that, you know, you've seen some, some drone issues come around. There's a lot of them that are out there almost daily now. Uh, the one that was today's headline was uh, an Ohio prison that was actually, the, there was drugs being delivered uh, to the prisoners by a UAV. <laughs> I did see that. Uh, Hans, we also have uh, JD. JD's got a question for you. Hey, Hans, first off, thank hey, you Jamie. very much. Thank you, thank you for coming on the show. It's a, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, now, I ran into a, a, an individual, I think it was about two weeks ago, uh, who was talking about some of the restrictions the FAA has with drones. She actually works for one of the, uh, the parcel companies and said that they are implementing the use of drones in delivery. And it's funny that you just mentioned the, the, uh, the prison story because that's exactly the type of technology that these uh, parcel delivery companies are now trying to use with drones where they actually have like a landing mat. The, the individuals that order their packages, they have like a landing mat like in front of their house or something. The drones will deliver them between like five and seven miles from the, uh, from the actual uh, parcel delivery company. 
Um, so when we're talking about the use of drones, we're not just talking about the ones that, that can drop bombs and do bomb strikes and spy on you from 50,000 feet. We're talking about even the extreme small ones, too, that can carry, you know, a 10-ounce package. Absolutely. And the, and the real uh, challenge, too, J.D., is that the proliferation of them uh, today is just it's enormous. And, again, the, we are so far behind in this issue. First thing is <laughs> we have to look in the mirror and be realistic. We've lost this issue. We've lost. So we need to now say, okay, how do we come, you know, take a step back and try to figure out what do we do from here? When I say we've lost the issue, keep in mind that you and I right now can go down and buy a drone for anywhere from, you know, $50, $100 up to a couple thousand dollars. Right. And we can pay cash. We can pay cash for it, right? Mm-hmm. We can put a camera sensor or we can put whatever we want on it. We can go and fly it. If we crash it, like, say, maybe, I don't know, on the White House lawn, uh, if we if that happens, the only way that you can trace it back is if I go and try and try to retrieve my drone. But other than that, they're pretty much not traceable, right? Because the cash the cash buy, and so we've allowed this technology to proliferate out there right. so fast without regulation, without control, that now we're kind of sitting in a bad spot. And we're, we're going to end up uh, um, trying to kind of backtrack with the package folks that you're talking about. They've actually looked at these things uh, over a couple of years. And one of the things that they figured out was the technology now is being so miniaturized and it's so inexpensive that it's, it's better, faster, cheaper, and stronger for them, for their customer base, to start looking at this instead of having somebody deliver their package by hand to the door. Right. So, so Hans, let me ask you this. You, you mentioned you mentioned the White House, and I'm going to get to that that in a second because I remember hearing the story about the, the the drone that tried to land into the White House or go near the White House. But before before we get into that, are drones safe? Yes or no? Your opinion? So yeah, I think drones are absolutely safe. I think uh, you know, in many ways, over the last few years, the technology has made you know, lost link, uh, automatic takeoff and landing, auto home features, all of these things are affordable, and even the most inexpensive hobbyist drone has these things on there now. So in general, you know, like most things, you have one or two bad apples out there using the technology to be, you know, foolish around, uh, you know, the White House or whatever else. But, uh, you know, other than that, most users are very responsible, and they have no desire to see anybody get hurt or damage their drone. Keep in mind, their drones, you know, cost them a couple of dollars. They don't want to, you know, bust up their own toys either. Right. So do you th- do you think that we need further restrictions then on, on drones moving forward at this point? So part of the, the issue that you have out there is not just restrictions. It's being able to understand what we can and cannot do with these. Right now, the FAA is sitting back on a, a rather old uh, governance that says, you know, 400 feet, uh, above and that you can't fly within five miles of an airport, which obviously that's not working out very well because uh, there was two reports over the last two days of drones flying near uh, airplanes at airports. So that's part of the issue. The other, the other issue is, is the law, right? There, we don't have any real drone laws. So the difference between this is, is that what the FAA can put out is policies and notums and certain other things, and those are all self-compliant. 
So if I choose not to comply with that, now the FAA has to come and deal with me or, you know, try to figure out what to do. But there are no real drone laws. The laws that they're, they're trying to set themselves back on right now are like nuisance laws, like the gentleman who shot, you know, shot down the drone over his um, backyard. They, you know, basically, if he would have called the police instead of shooting the drone down, the only thing that the police probably could have done, because there's no rules, laws, policies, governance, there's nothing out there for the police officer to show up and say, okay, I'm going to write a ticket for, the only thing he could have done is maybe gone and tried to find the drone owner, which, again, how are you going to do that? These things can fly a long ways away. Even if he finds the drone owner, the best he could ever do is write a ticket probably for uh, a nuisance violation. Wow. J.D., you had another question. Yeah, I did. And actually, it goes off of what you were talking about here just a, sh- a short while ago, Dr. Mum, on how everybody's relying on the rules and regulations set by governments past because and it's it's it fits in perfectly with your theory now and it also fits in like like I'm a, I'm a business major myself and the problem with like leadership in general is everybody's always looking back and saying well this is the way it was this is how they worked it worked okay so let's just keep it that way as opposed to look we're going into a whole new era a whole new lifestyle, a whole new world of leadership where we need to come up with with new ideas, new answers, new rules, new protocols. It just seems that everybody's just set in their ways, and I, I think that has to do personally with the lack of youth in government positions. And it, it seems that everybody that's making the rules have been in government and politics for the last you know, 30, 40 years, so what they said you know, 30, 40 years ago is the same things that they're saying now. And I, I, I just think that needs to change, and that, and that goes into the lack of leadership again. So I agree, and, and you know, let me preference my answer when I'm agreeing with you there uh, by a couple of things. So the first thing you got to look at is, is you know, how was, lead, how was leadership, you know, in the past, and did it work? Uh, so if you look in at like July uh, 1945, you know, the first atomic bomb was detonated and in 1957 the Soviets launched Sputnik, right? It triggered the space race. After each of these events, there was a worldwide recognition that these technologies would change the human race forever. So policies, laws, and governance were put in place, but they were put in place within two years of each of these major events. You know, two decades ago, we had the start of, of the World Wide Web. And over two, you know, decades ago, we had the advent of robotics revolution, which is really where we're at, uh, which includes the drone revolution. Both of these technologies, you know, will dramatically change the world. Yet leadership did not respond the way they did in the 40s and 50s. Uh, you know, the sad part is, is even when leadership does react today, they tend to react in, in a negative way, showing just how much they don't understand technology. You know, with the Internet, think back. I mean, Congress wanted to tax it. That was one of the first things that they did when they finally said something about the Internet. They came out and they wanted to try to figure out how to tax it. Well, the reaction from the rest of the world and and the user community was the advent of Bitcoin, right? Non-regulated banking system. Uh, You know, with, with drones, you see drone user groups creating their own framework, structures. In the absence of any meaningful information coming from leadership, 
people are going to create their own structures. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Um, especially, when I've, I've actually done some work with like Bitcoin and ClickBank and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's we're not going to move forward with this policy, and we're not going to move forward in, in, with leadership until they they see that we're heading into a new direction. I, I think that people are too worried about, especially in politics, they're too worried about you know making the wrong group mad or getting upset or making the wrong headlines. So everybody's walking on pins and needles and nobody wants to step up and actually take charge and become a true leader. And I just think it's ridiculous. Well, and I think you have to look at, you know, what, what we have deemed now as leadership, uh, you know, it, it's the scary part. The scary part is, is that, you know, we don't put a stop sign at a bad intersection until a kid gets killed. Right. Right. So, now look at what, what's going to happen with drones. I mean, logically, you have to look and say, you know, at what point do we finally say enough is enough and we're going to fix the situation? Yeah, it's 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 got to get to a point to where something so, is done so who, soon. Hans, who's going to lead the charge in this? Because the FAA has managed, you know, they've integrated balloons, helicopters, you know, gliders, you know, aircraft into into the national airspace in, in the past, right? Um as a pilot, do you have any do you have any ideas on airspace management for drones? I mean, are 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 people going to have to be like, okay, well, if you want to fly a drone, if you want to purchase you a drone, are you, are, do you have to get a license, or will it come? To, do you see it coming to that point where you're going to have to get a license to to fly a drone? Well, the first thing is, you know, I'm I'm a fixed wing and a rotor wing pilot, and you know, play obviously play with drones uh, for years and years. So the, the challenge is that the FAA, you know, you've got to look at all of these different categories. They took time to create, you know, and agree upon the rules such as balloon. You know, a balloon has the right-of-way versus an airplane because the balloon has minimal controllability as compared to an airplane, uh, which are generally faster, more agile, and have the ability to change course. Um, the ability to integrate drones into the national airspace will take cooperation of the users of the sky, both manned and unmanned, uh, the FAA is, you know, several decades late in the game, and this is frustrating both sides of the, of the aviation industry. The thing that you've got to look at is, is you know, how do we fix it? Well, you're, again, you're going to have to decide to embrace complexity leadership because nonlinear, non-authoritarian is the only way you're going to fix the issue right now. Uh, 25 years, 25 years, guys, of, of linear and authoritarian. Where, where are we at? It's time to, to make a, a logical, conscious choice and say, okay, linear authoritarian isn't working anymore. We might want to at least give this whole complexity theory leadership a try. Absolutely, Hans. And I one quick question now. Can you see us getting to a point when it comes to drones to where they have to be, the users have to be licensed and then it'll be okay once they file a flight plan. Even if they're only doing like a like a 10 or 15 minute flight plan, they have to get that okayed through the FAA. So I, I don't think, I'm hoping we never get there um, because that is just such a restriction that it, it wouldn't, it takes the drone industry and it takes the, the user community down to the point where it's not fun anymore, um, and I have no ability to go out and, you know, it's kind of like capturing breaking news. Well, I can't really capture breaking news if I have to file a flight plan and wait for somebody to decide that I can do it. I'm hoping we never get there. Uh, 
I think that what we've got to do is try to weed out some of the bad apples and try to figure out how does this all look. Part of that, I think, is, is that you're going to have to look at the idea of, you know, do we register a drone when you buy it? Who buys the drone? What is it actually supposed to do? And, you know, what, what's the capability of it? Keep in mind that drones, most of them are actually built on open platforms. So, again, when you're looking at the very linear and authoritarian ideas that the government looks at policies, none of them are going to work. They're not going to work because most of those policies will say, okay, a drone can't do X, Y, Z, or this technology uh, uh, sold with this software can only do, you know, 50 miles an hour. Well, that's not true. Drones are built on open platforms. I can go and change my drone right now. I can plug it into my computer. I can make any changes I want. Do I want it to fly 60 miles an hour with less battery, or do I want it to have a camera with a zoom? The open architecture is going to change the way technology is, and the government, uh, you know, our government, governments in general, just how we govern is not ready to accept that. Well, he answered one of my questions: Is does he own a drone? So <laughs> got that one out of the way. We got that. We got that one. But Hans, I, I get to thinking about it because I near uh, uh, we live near a kind of like a little a little park area, and there's people that fly like those model uh, helicopters and airplanes, right? Uh, all yep. over the place. Those aren't those aren't classified technically as drones because people see those like, oh, somebody's flying a model helicopter or one of those model <laughs> model airplanes. What's can you for for the lame person can you tell us the difference between the two of that because what's the difference if somebody took a camera and put it on one of those model helicopters and was flying it around would that be considered a drone then so the the major difference difference is what we call autonomy <clears throat> what what can the, the the piece of equipment do because keep in mind again a, a drone is just a truck for sensors it just moves the camera it moves whatever around the major difference is, is in, you know, I'm going to say the old days, but, you know, basically 10, 15, 20 years ago, you saw those model airplanes flying around, the helicopters flying around. Those were all under what they call RC rules or remote control, meaning that I had to be on the controls pretty much all the time or it would crash, which meant that I had to be able to see it line of sight and I was in control of the, the machine. With a drone, that's not necessarily true. So you can end up in a situation very quickly where a drone is autonomous. So like one of the drones I fly, I basically just hit the button, and the drone jumps into the air into a hover and waits for my command. So that's the big difference between a drone and an RC. A regular remote control helicopter would just sit on the ground until I, you know, until I actually took the controls and did something with it. But they've also, people have been putting cameras on those remote control vehicles for years. The difference is, is now the miniaturization and the cost has just plummeted. You can buy cameras now for next to nothing and put them on, and they've got, you know, excellent uh, resolution to them. Nice. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking with Dr. Hans Mom. Uh, Hans, can you give everybody your, your contact? If people want to learn more about you. Uh, and what you're doing, where do they look you up? You have a website, uh, social place, media? Yeah, the easiest place is actually the uh, my website, which is just uh, hansmum.com, just H-A-N-S-M-U-M-M.com. 
And then, of course, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, the book is on Amazon and uh, Barnes & Noble. Very nice, very nice. Um, again, again, Hans, can you go ahead and give us the title of the book? Sure. It's uh, Applying Complexity Leadership Theory to Drone Airspace Integration. Right, so we're, we're going to have both of that. So we're going to have all this stuff up on our website uh, later on this afternoon as well as the, our social media platforms uh, throughout the group uh, later on today. Uh, you know, um, Gal, I, I'm so fascinated by this stuff right First now. First off, you know, I want to go to D.C. and fly Hans's drone. Yeah. <laughs> I've never flown a drone before. So I, I actually have a, uh, um, a solo quadcopter uh, with a GoPro 4 camera and a gimbal ball on it. And literally, I can teach you how to fly it in probably five or ten minutes because it is a true drone. Uh, and so literally, you push a button and the four blades start up. You push another button, it jumps itself into a hover waiting for you to tell it what to do. Um, it also has some really neat features uh, where if something's going wrong or you're flying it and it, it you know got caught by wind or anything you basically just hit a, a button and it goes into a pause mode and it just sits and hovers um it's a really incredible technology uh, the whole thing was under two thousand uh, dollars for all of this and uh you've got a base station it actually has a feature called follow me and i can actually get in my car drive 30 miles an hour down the road and my drone will follow me without me touching anything at all. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is absolutely. Now, at what height? Well, just any height that you say? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it'll go a couple hundred feet. You know, uh, you know, usually you try to keep them under, you know, a uh, hundred feet or so because you don't want to lose your drone either to a, a gust of wind or whatever. But, um, again, like I was saying earlier, the technology has gotten so interesting that this actually has a lost link feature and a home feature. So say my drone is, is you know, it, it's too far over or it's over on one of my neighbor's you know, lawn or something crazy, I can hit a button and it will instantly come home. It basically will automatically fly to 49 feet in order to keep a signal with me on the ground. It will then come back over and it will automatically land on the ground at the home location where the GPS coordinates started the flight. A smart drone. Uh, we're we're going to get like messages after messages from like parents who wish yeah. they can put this on their kids and just hit a button and they just come home. No matter where they're at. You could, you could, you could probably do similar, and, and that's, uh, like I said, one of the challenges too is, is that, you know, these days you can use GPS for a lot of different things, and that was one of the issues uh, where, you know, you had a lost link. Well, somebody had the, the cheaper version of a drone, which, you know, you can, you can get the cheaper version. And that's how they ended up crashing it on the White House lawn. <laughs> wow. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Now, you said you can get it to follow you. Can you get it to follow anybody else? Or is it just, is it a signal that you're carrying on you yourself? It follows the base station. So the base station would be here, you know, would be in my car with me. How big and, is that? Uh, I actually, the uh, base station is just, it looks like a, a regular remote controller. Um, you know, it's, it's not much bigger than like an old VCR videotape. Um, it's about, uh, you know, uh, twice as thick and about that, uh, that size. 
so you can hold on to it pretty easy. And I have um, I have a, a pad that I actually watch my camera with, so I could just pop that in my car and and basically let it follow me, and it would you know it would videotape me or take pictures or whatever I was trying to do. So basically, if 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 like let's say a a wife had one of these and wanted to make sure that her husband was doing what she could just put that in the trunk and you know he could take her car for the day and then it would just follow him everywhere now what's the battery life on this thing that's that's my question is this like nuclear power where it could go everywhere or what i mean it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't quite do that but uh you know just wait for it i'm sure that's gonna I'm come, sure out. It'll come out uh so well i mean Think back, uh, you know, probably five or ten years ago when they decided to uh, put the plug-in GPS so you could actually track where your car goes or you could GPS fence where your car goes. Um, you know, I have a Hyundai uh, as one of my cars, and, and it actually has a GPS fence on it. I can basically say, tell me, alert me if my car goes past, you know, this street. Oh, I, I can totally so see this. I, I'm sorry, I can see this, you know, going in many different directions. Like, let's say I have a kid one day, and it's it's a girl. When she's 17, she's going on her first date. Yeah, not without the drone. All right, you take oh, that yeah. drone with you. <laughs> I will be watching. So, yes, but, but one of you asked a question on battery life. Battery life is really the, the controller uh, for, for what this technology can or can't mm-hmm. do. Right now, so for my, you know, my solo drone, um, I get about... 35, uh, 40 minutes on a good charge if I'm not battling any wind or if I'm not making it do loops or, you know, anything crazy, okay. right? All right. So, you know, it, it's going to depend on what it is. But keep in mind, my Solo is a pretty good size drone. It's it's not a, a, a tiny one. So you can get these things that will stay up a little bit longer. So battery life is really going to determine, you know, what these things do. But remember, I mean, you know, we'll get to the point where there's a hybrid drone or we'll get to the point where you have a fuel cell in a drone or something along that line. So it'll stay up a lot longer. Well, I was just going to ask, that, that kind of leads me to a question, Hans, is, is for those of the, that don't know or haven't seen a drone, is, what are they built out of? I mean, is it like aviation quality stuff like they build like planes from or, or is it just like, you know, no. plastic? No, the, the the bad part is 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 that they're not aviation quality anything. Um, most of them come from China. Uh, my solo uh, was actually late for one of my book signings because it was stuck in Anchorage, Alaska. It came from Shanghai to Anchorage and got stuck there, oh. uh, and then uh, they had to to uh, deliver it. And um, so the the challenge is yes, it, they're all almost all plastic uh, parts. Now, they're very, you know, some of the higher quality. I can tell you that 3DR makes some really good ones, and that's the one that I personally fly. There's lots of them. They're, they're good out there. I just personally fly the Solo. Um, and you can crash these things and basically just pick up the pieces or, you know, change out a, a, a rotor on it or change something out in two seconds and be flying again. Uh, they're, they're pretty sturdy machines. But they are definitely not to aviation quality. Are they? Let's say so. Let's say you, you crash one, it breaks. Are parts easy to find here in the U.S. now, or or, or do you have to order them parts from from uh, China, or or from so another country? You, 
Yeah, so most of the time you have to order them, uh, but they're relatively easy to get. Uh, and again, any you know any drone enthusiast is going to have backup blades and backup parts. I mean, I know I do. Uh, you know, for when the eventuality. So one of the, the one of the interesting parts about drones is, is that at some point they're going to crash, just like an airplane. But the difference is, is with the airplane, you've got a human to worry about. With a drone, you're really not worried about a human, and it's pretty tough to, uh, you know, to, to deal with, you know, like actually hitting somebody and, and killing them. Although we did see a couple of weeks ago out in Seattle, somebody used their drone as an offensive weapon to go after um, a crowd. It was a, a gay and lesbian rally. And uh, a gentleman basically took his drone and dive-bombed it right in and knocked the lady out. Uh, and again, uh, you know, the, the APB uh, from the police department, they said, we're looking for a guy with a, a, a tattoo of a girl. Okay, guys, oh, that, that wow. sounds great. What's that, like a million people in the <laughs> that country? That narrows it down there. So, <laughs> you, wow. you know what I'm saying? I mean, that was... That was their APB. Again, I'm sure that the guy, you know, probably threw his controller away, and that's the end of it, right? Because there's no, how are you going to track him? How are you going to trace him? And even if you do, what do you plan on trying to charge him with? So it, it's obvious, because in a situation like that, we're already seeing drones being used here on the home front. Mm -hmm. And I say the home front here, meaning the U.S., mm -hmm. uh, and, and things like that. Hans, let me ask you a serious question. Uh, do you do you see drones being more used uh, in future warfare? I mean, I, I absolutely think that we will. Uh, whether people you know like them or not, uh, they do the job. They do the the dull, dirty, dangerous jobs that we don't want people to go and do anymore. Uh, you know, it's just a fact of life. We also have to look at the idea of you know the the days of discovering a problem and solving it in one easy decision, you know, that those appear to be over. Uh, you know, the actions and reactions and the decisions now reverberate with the echo of, you know, intended and unintended consequences in a matter of minutes or days, not years or decades anymore. So I think you're going to see drones a lot more on the battlefield, but I also think you're going to see more robotics on the battlefield. Um, it's just part of it. I mean, we don't want to lose humans anymore but we still have wars that, that are being waged, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, Hans. This has completely opened my eyes, and, and I'm thinking you should definitely take the leadership role on this as far as me seeing... I mean, there, there's a lot of negatives that can be said about drones, the use of drones and whatnot, but I always look at the positive sides, and I, I'm seeing this as in the future as, like, if you're... If your 12-year-old daughter is taking the dog for a walk around the block, you know, just take the drone with you so we can see what's going on. Or if if you're going for a jog at night, you know, and you want to make sure that you're being protected, take the drone with you. You know, that type yeah, of I thing. Yeah, think, I think what I think what, what, uh, what it all boils down to is what Hans said earlier. And, 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 uh, and those of you that that you know want to learn more about hans again his website is www.hansmum.com uh and you should check out his his book complexity uh complexity leadership air airspace 
uh, integration, and you can get that on Amazon. And again, we'll have both of this, and, and you can get it at Barnes and Noble. We'll have uh, the links, direct links for that, uh, up on our website here soon. But what Hans was saying, it really comes down to leadership. And it Hans, it, it, you know, I saw the video that you'd sent me, which uh, is going to be up on our website too, in the presentation that you gave. And you know, I sat there and it was like mind blown. You know, and it's and, and when it comes to and it boils down to to leadership. Hans, can we can we expect to see you taking more of, more of a role uh, on this subject uh, moving forward in the future? Well, I, I surely hope so, <laughs> and hopefully uh, programs like this can get the word out. Uh, you know, that's going to depend on you know what the the politicians do. I plan to be out there and sort of beating the drum on on leadership, trying to move things forward. Uh, the, the interesting part about the, the future is, is that we can make it whatever we want. Uh, drones are now being used overseas and other places for a lot of very good things, uh, humanitarian issues. They've got ambulance drones, so they actually have a drone that they've outfitted with a little bit of medical equipment in it and a uh, cell phone. And if a hiker gets stuck on the mountain, uh, instead of trying to send a man helicopter up or send people out to try to rescue this person uh, who may be hurt or may be lost, they send a drone out. Well, okay, so now I can send the drone out, and maybe the, the, the hiker just has a sprained ankle, or maybe they just, you know, they had whatever issue. But I can get a drone out there very, very quickly, a lot faster than I can get a, you know, human helicopter out there, and then I can actually do telemedicine. So I can have a doctor on the other end of that phone, and I can be talking to the patient or the other hiker and say, okay, you know, what's going on? Oh, well, I think this person's having a heart attack. Great, no problem. So, you know, open up the drone, and, and here's a defibrillator machine. Follow the instructions on the defibrillator machine. Hold the phone this way so I can watch you do it. Okay, hit shock. There you go. You just saved a life. Uh, so drones are being used for a lot of very, very good things. It's just we've got to be able to temper back and try to figure out, uh, you know, technology can be used for good or evil. How are you going to, uh, you know, decide which it is? Well, I think that the main point when it comes to leadership, Hans, is that if when, when, when these ideas are, are given to the public, when, when, you're appro when you approach the public, they have to be given in the form of like servant leadership. You have to show this is why this is needed, and this you know, as, as opposed to saying, "Yeah, we can do this with and this and this with it," you know, which are the negative things. You have to come out and you have to tell these people this is why this benefits you, and this is why you need to agree with it. Um, so we can get it out there. So in the case that you just told us about, you know, like hikers, especially here in Arizona and Grand Canyon, people get lost in the Grand Canyon all the time. Or we got hikers. We've had several hikers uh, here in the Stuck local area. Stuck on Camelback Mountain. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, that's been a, a storyline uh, three or four times oh, yeah. uh, th this year. Two of them had to be, I think, medevaced out. Yeah. Dehydration. So, yeah. You so. can bring them in water. I mean, there's so much stuff yep. that you can do. People just need to be okay with it and be like, look, I know that there are some risks, but if I'm on a mountain and I'm dying of, of dehydration because I was too stupid to pack enough water, I'm more than happy to see a drone come in with two or three bottles of water. Right, yeah. Absolutely, and the thing is, too, is, you know, with the complexity leadership theory, you can apply this 
to many different uh, uh, problem sets. I simply applied it to the drone airspace integration problem set mm -hmm. because it one it's desperately needed, but two obviously it's you know fresh in everybody's mind and you're getting new stories out there one two three four a day now, um, and you're going to see this this industry is just going to bloom even faster. Wait till after Christmas. Um, so just so you know, like the solo drone is now actually sold at Best Buys. So. These I'm things right. are going to proliferate out into the communities yeah. like nobody's business, yeah. and we've got to try to figure out how you know how do we use them for good. You know, you, you brought up the complexity theory, you know, leadership style. Hans, you you've had an, a, just an outstanding military career. Uh, you've been had a huge successful civilian career along with being a an awesome business person and very successful at everything that you've done. Do you credit any of your success to the complexity theory leadership style? So I absolutely do. I mean, you know, the, the military is, is more about a chain of command. By design, it's linear and authoritarian, and that structure works well on the battlefield. It doesn't always translate to you know, commercial civilian business. And I tend to be more collaborative and know a lot, you know, a lot of very talented people. Uh, it's a great way to bring diversity yet commonly bound individuals together to complete a project when possible. So in ways, yes, complexity theory really has helped, but knowing when to apply the right leadership strategy and management style are also critical elements of my success. Outstanding. Well, Hans, we're running sh uh, short of time here. Is there anything else you would like to add that uh, that we haven't included today? So I think that, uh, you know, just uh, go ahead and, and take a look at the book now that it's out there uh, and, you know, kind of dream up different ways. Please contact me, uh, you know, on all different social media. If there's ways that you might be interested in, in applying the complexity leadership theory uh, to different uh, problem sets, I'm all about collaboration and, and coordination, uh, and I'd love to hear from people. Great. And Hans, we're looking forward to having you back on the show here. I think we want to have you on as a, as a regular, uh, you know, at least once or twice a quarter. Um, and and I'll, uh, I'll definitely be talking to you offline uh, about that. But uh, in the meantime, thank you, sir, so much for, for all that you do. And, and thank you for taking the time to uh, be with us uh, here today on the Decision Hour. Yeah, and thank you for your service as well, Hans. We appreciate it. No worries. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, JD. Yep. You guys right, have buddy. a good, uh, good afternoon. You too. You too. Take care. All right. Bye bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Doctor wow. Hans Mum. Wow. I mean, I, I tell you, this presentation. Wait until we put the presentation up. He did a. Uh, uh, it was about a sixty-minute presentation that he okay. did on on the drones mm -hmm. uh, and whatnot, and it was just you looking at this stuff, and it's, it completely blows your mind, and, and you see how far this technology has come mm -hmm. and you got to think about it it's like the stuff's being used right now on the battlefield that's you being used here at home for good and and bad and like han said you know the faa we're, we're you know already a dozen plus years behind the power curve right, right. You know, coming up with rules and regulations and and how this stuff they is don't gonna, know how to deal with it well it, it, who's gonna who's gonna be in charge of it all hans yeah, yeah, well, that might just be the case, and hopefully, hopefully, we we we, uh, we see more of Hans and hear more about what it is that he's doing and, and the process that he has he's got uh, going on. No, my my eyes are wide open right now to to this subject. I mean, it just, I, and again, I'm always one that thinks positive. I can see so many positive ways to use this technology for the better. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, like I'd love that the example of the hiking up on the mountain. Yeah. You know, and bringing water to, to the people because that's huge. Because a lot of these times it takes two, three hours for you know the EMTs or whatever to hike in to bring them out. And then like you know like when you run, which I have. Yeah, you could. I can tell often. that you do a but, lot of running. Shut up. Uh, but uh, you know, I could have like the bed. I could have like the return pad at the house and my thing right here and and on me. And I could hit that. It would bring me my bottle of water right. and then return home. You have an emergency or something like that. You, like you had said, you're going for a walk and you're, you know, you're carrying or that, that the pieces on you. Right. And you have the, you know, it's, it's, it's. There's so many things that you could use for. I see this using for athletics, and and I, I see it used for for personal security. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just you're always in everything that's out there right now. You're always going to have one or two bad apples. Given the example of the guy that was up in Seattle, you know, and he yeah. used it for, to, you know, which was which was terrible. The man should be ashamed of himself. Yep. Um, but there's so many good things that could come out of this. There is, know? and then using it like using that same technology, like I said, with kids, where like if you want them to come home, you know, most kids don't listen, but if they have it like attached to them and it just gives them a little zap every couple seconds until they get okay, home, yeah, that yeah. would be great. I think that's Again, probably does one of the reasons. Somebody that's spoken from somebody that didn't have any kids. <laughs> I don't have so. any kids. Chris would love that. Yeah, I'm sure he would. I'm sure. It would, it would, it would energize yeah, him to, yeah. to, to get just home faster. Just a little shock there. <laughs> I got to go. <laughs> Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to the end of the show. We're out of time today. Uh, you've been listening to The Decision Hour with Adam and JD. We want to give, a, uh, again, a big special thanks to Dr. Hans Mum for uh, joining us today. Make sure that uh, if as you're listening to this podcast, you could check us out at the heroesmediagroup.com uh, forward slash the decision hour. Uh, you can listen to the show, or well, you're listening to the show probably from there or from podbean.com. Check us out on iTunes. iTunes. Uh, and, and if you have uh, any so- show suggestions, shoot us an email at thedecisionhour at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. Uh, JD, any parting words? No, this is an awesome show. Um, I'm not very technologically efficient, but holy cow, do I have some ideas with with drones. Oh, yeah. Wow. Listen, uh, folks, until next week, uh, for JD, I'm Adam. Thanks for listening to The Decision Hour. Take care, everybody. The bus came in. Came through the night.